Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It's the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. Let's talk about art. It's not a liquid asset, but think about it. If you handle it right, it can be quite a wise and, well, highly profitable investment piece. And if you think about it even further, it does help you diversify your portfolio, which is why the idea of investing in art has quickly gained popularity, especially in uh, this day and age, 2023, that is. But who is investing in art? And what are the reasons that people invest in art? How can you incorporate art into your investment strategy? Well, in the studio with me is Nana Decking, who is the founder and CEO of Artry. Nana, welcome. Hi, thank you. What an introduction, man. <laughs> and joining Nana is Elizabeth von Habsberg, who is the managing director of Winston Art Group. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. All right. I'm quite excited to talk about art, but I guess let's try and understand the two companies first. Tell us a little bit about Artry as well as Winston Art Group. Could I start with you, Nana? Sure, absolutely. So Artry is actually a tech company. Uh, it's the first full-stack technology and data company in the world that is really trying to secure the best information possible okay. coming from trusted parties in the art market. Right. Having had a history in the art market and being an art historian, it's a market I know really well. Okay. And we're not using technology for the sake of technology. We really use it to capture trust information and using the blockchain for that. All right. I was going to ask if blockchain was involved. Okay, so we see that evolution there. What about Winston Art Group? Winston Art Group is the largest independent art appraisal and advisory firm in the U.S. with okay. 11 offices worldwide. How does art appraisal work hand-in-hand hand with tech? Sounds like quite an <laughs> interesting, and I'm sure there must have been a bit of transition there as well. Actually, I've always been a big proponent yeah. of tech, and yeah. especially in how it can make the art world more efficient. Okay. Therefore, it wasn't really a, a transition. It was something I've been looking at for years. Mm -hmm. And really, an informed decision can only be made using good data, mm -hmm. which tech can make very easily available. Yeah, yeah, creatives and Tech. That is the world we are in today. Tell us a little bit about this collaboration, this partnership. Sure. Well, Liz and I have known each other since '96. When I moved to New York from the Netherlands, mm -hmm. I created actually my. I made my first business card at Grand Central Station in New York for wow. Liz because we had a mutual friend. <laughs> okay. But what it comes to in the end is whether you use technology or not. Mm. If you want to create a real market for any kind of asset, you have to be absolutely convinced that you're dealing with the right kind of assets. Okay. So for a company that captures in a tokenized way trust information about art, teaming up with the largest art appraisal firm in the world is, of course, a good thing to do because they are independent. Mm. They are not the market. They're not opportunistically appraising any of the assets, any of the artworks or collectibles they deal with. Uh, they are as independent as you can be in the art market. And that got us together, We not only as friends anymore, but actually from a business perspective. Mm. We've been looking at the space for a long time and we realized unique domain expertise incredible scale, yeah, you know, eight, if course. you appraise eight to $10 billion in art yeah. and the largest auction house in the world, Christie, sells seven to $8 billion yeah. a year, you can imagine how much art they have seen over the last 13 years. Mm. Elizabeth, I'm sure the tech makes things more, I don't want to say easy, but more accurate. Does it increase the global reach that uh, Winston Art Group is involved in? 
I think by the fact that it makes more efficiencies okay. is really the way it grows the business. Okay. If you have all that information in a, from a trusted source that is usable, we have not only arteries over 40 million data points from mm. auction, mm. but we have Winston Art Group's 500,000 to a million private and dealer data points. So together, that's a really efficient economy of scale. I'm trying to understand this a little bit better. So we are looking at art form. Is there a distinct difference, especially because the tech is involved, between, say, a painting versus a sculpture? No, they're all assets. They're all okay. art assets. Okay. So we're talking about everything from classic cars and jewelry jewelry, watches, to contemporary art. And contemporary art is really where the money is being generated in the art market these days. Mm -hmm. It's the predominant driver of the market. So we're really, in this situation, talking about contemporary art. Right. Nana, does this validate the tech? That it's a great, how should I say, industry to really showcase the ability of appraising accurately? It does validate the tech. And what I like is I started a tech company very much driven by one of my biggest clients. This is public knowledge, otherwise I would never talk about it. We assembled one of the largest collections in the world of French Impressionist mm. art, which mm-hmm. happens to be my specialty. Mm. And his name is Hasso Plettner. He was one of the founders of SAP, mm-hmm. which is indeed a tech company, a software yeah. company. And he was the one who told me nanotechnology can actually help you with securing data and records about an artwork. What I like about to team up with, I always call it sort of a brick and mortar company as a tech company, is that you keep the technology real. Okay. I didn't want to start a tech company because it's nice, it's fun, and we want to disrupt the art market. No, I want to make art market more efficient, and I want to make sure that people who don't necessarily understand a very complex market to be able to make good decisions when they buy art, or what we're basically talking about as well, of course, today is the art fund, the diversified portfolio that we can create for investors. All right. Uh, putting this conversation together, my producer found an interesting fact. We're trying to understand ourselves. Fractionalization is gaining interest when it comes to art investing. I'm not sure who's the best person to ask, but what exactly is this? I think we can both ask, <laughs> okay, but let's, let's first go to Liz. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you first who's investing, and yeah. that is across the board, from new collectors to collectors who've already established uh, okay. collections to people who've never been in the art market before but would like to get entry into this asset right. class, and they don't know how to do it. Okay. So those are our clients. Yeah, and for me, coming from the, well, I'm coming from the art market. I mean, I've been in the art market for so many years. But, but now, as indeed the, the founder and CEO of an art and tech company, let's keep it real. Let's okay. look at the underlying asset. Okay. And that is the most important thing. And if you talk about fractionalization, why would you fractionalize an artwork that's not that good? Mm. Or which I always call it, some of the artworks being fractionalized are leftover products from the trade. Mm. If you're an art dealer, you can sell an artwork. Mm. So why is that artwork not sold through the regular trade? And especially if there's a dealer involved becoming an advocate for fractionalizing the artwork, you wonder, look at the underlying asset. Is it a tradable object? Why would I invest in a non-tradable object? Okay. And Liz and I are very much believing in a diversified portfolio for reasons of risk mitigation. There's not a single equity fund with one piece of equity in it. So why would you invest in one artwork? It's way too risky. So you can fractionalize what you want. You can use tokenization. You can talk about it. You can make ads about it. But in the end, there's still a risk involved. And domain expertise should always be what drives you. And teaming up with Winston Art Group, make sure that we are dealing with the best experts with independent expertise 
in the whole world. So that's a huge difference, no? This is deja vu because I had this discussion with my wife. She's much more into <laughs> art than me. My dream is to own a Jackson Pollock. And she goes, yeah, but you could do so much more. Why that? <laughs> okay, thank you for that. What do you think, you know, partnerships like this, bridging the worlds of tech and, of course, art curation, what does it do in terms of the resilience of, how should I put it, the fine art industry? Any thoughts on that? I would just say it makes the whole art industry much broader. It okay. broadens the pie. You know, there are certain people now that have art advisors or they do buying on their own. This opens it up to people who really don't know anything about mm, the art market mm, but mm. want to jump in and diversify their assets by buying into something that is put together for them in a very thoughtful way. It definitely makes it a lot easier to sell the idea of, and this, I'm sure a lot of business podcasts would say, always diversify your portfolio. This definitely makes things a whole lot easier in terms of explanation. It does indeed, yes. Well, to go back to your Jackson Pollock, Liz and I are not against a Jackson Pollock. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) uh, But we want to offset the risk. What if all of a sudden something happens to the Jackson Pollock market? It will never go back a lot because he's such an established artist. So let's say we pay $20 million for a Jackson Pollock. You want to offset with that risk that you take with one single asset, with the whole growth portfolio of emerging artists, of younger artists. And that's a very tough market to navigate. You need a lot of domain expertise to actually understand who are the upcoming artists, who are the galleries who deal with upcoming artists, who are the collectors who are collecting it. And the portfolio that we are creating, the Diversified Art Fund, is very heavy on emerging artists. We call that the growth part of the portfolio. But we will also have some anchor investments, maybe not a Jackson Pollock, (laughs) let's be honest here, because that's a lot of money. But definitely five to six million dollar artworks that are fresh to the market Mm. and that we will not buy at auction. Uh, we will actually source it privately through the network of Winston Art Group. All right. Elizabeth, I wonder if you might be more of an expert to help me out on this one. I don't know anything. And I've just spoke to Nana about this uh, incredible portfolio, diversified portfolio. Do I need to recognize what's quality or I just trust you guys to do it for me? You don't need to recognize. That's what we do. Uh, All right. we're, you know, we're not doctors or lawyers. We're art professionals, yeah. and that's what we do. We, for every work that we're going to be investing in, we're doing due diligence of over 50 points okay. of data, and that's really important when deciding what to buy. So the people who are investing in the fund can feel very confident that all that due diligence has been done before any choices are made. Trying my luck, is there any chance you could give us one or two examples of these 50 points of data? Just sure. as an example. Yeah, I mean, Liz. Yes, I can. Absolutely. They're the, they're the standard things like size and okay, medium and so on. But the more subtle uh, factors are things like who's the gallery who's okay. representing this artist? Is there any movement towards a different gallery, a bigger oh, gallery? Okay. Are these works shown in museums? Do museums own any of these artists' works? Which collectors are collecting these mm. artists' works? And so on, that sort of thing. Which, you know, which gallery is very important because yeah. certain galleries have wonderful reputations for really supporting their artists. That's what we're looking for. All right. What does this do for up-and-coming artists? People, I'm quite fascinated with how you talked about that diverse portfolio, emerging artists. Does this help the art industry from an artist or professional point of view? Definitely. Um, there is now exposure for emerging artists to a whole new group of people. Okay. You have to be such an insider at the yeah. big art fairs in the world to really yeah. understand who are the upcoming artists. Yeah. 
So you can actually make, you are making well-informed decisions with your investment portfolio, but you will start to learn and recognize the name of these artists. And we don't keep these mechanisms a secret. So you become part of a community of art-loving people, although your prime reason to invest is just to grow, right? You want to grow capital. That's the reason why you invest. But it's an interesting investment because, as you already said, it's an uncorrelated asset class. And with the right help, you can now invest in it. And because of the right help, you're also learning a lot about art. I think things will go hand in hand. People will invest in the fund and they will start to explore art themselves. And there's nothing wrong when you buy for yourself Mm -hmm. out of passion or love to Mm -hmm. make a mistake every now and then. But we, spending your money, we cannot make a mistake. So that's a different kind of collecting. And and it opens up a whole new profession as well, not just to... It, I feel like I don't have to be so knowledgeable in art to get into the art profession. I could go from the tech point of view, which must have been quite an experience for you, Elizabeth. Oh, absolutely. And it, Just it's, watching it all around you, right? No, it's wonderful. And people who don't know about yeah. art can then enjoy yeah, art more yeah. because they'll know the artist's names, as Nana was saying. They can go to an art fair and they'll recognize certain works of art and it becomes really a, a new kind of lifestyle change for them. I, I really appreciate the art lesson <laughs> they've had today. Just one last curious question, and, and it's really about data in that sense, what kind of demographics are we looking at now in terms of people who are trying to invest in art or even a a full portfolio of emerging art like you described earlier on? And we're looking at people who are 40 and above oh, type no. of thing. It could be anywhere from the age of uh, early 20s all the way up to their have, 80s Have you 90s. had a young investor? Well, we met a lot of young investors. Oh, yeah. uh, it's interesting, the, the interest that's come out. You know, you would think that this is more of a, pardon me saying, an older investment. Right. Well, the fun part about the way it's being approached, and as you know, we're collaborating here with Aztecs, yeah, uh, yeah. the digital stock exchange of Singapore. Uh, they have thrown some events which were incredibly well okay. attended, and there were a lot of young people. And we were very much impressed by the level of knowledge already about art. And also that people understand, I want to make a good decision when I enter this market, mm. let's say a well-informed decision. And it really it seemed that they recognized that for that we are actually the right people. Yeah, I think the Singapore uh, Digital Asset Exchange does add a lot of credibility as well. I would say it also adds uh, liquidity. You were mentioning mm, yes. before that art is not a really liquid asset, yeah, but yeah. it actually is. It can, it can be, and STAX is certainly helping. Okay. And what we really like about Aztecs, diversified art fund. I mean, everything is buttoned up, legally spoken. All the investors can see and have access to all the information. And the same with Aztecs, uh, fully regulated by the Singaporean uh, Monetary Monetary Authority. Authority. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you for helping me here. Uh, So that's why we were very much attracted by uh, what's happening here in Singapore. I I suppose it does also the fact that the rule of law here and and the way things are managed makes Singapore really an attractive place. Do you see this? I mean, Singapore is, and this is me sharing as a Singaporean, they're all about trying to become a hub for everything, hub for fintech, you know, hub for clean energy for that matter. Do you see it potentially being a hub for art assets? Not potentially. We see it happening. Yeah. Exactly. And we have a wonderful art fair that's coming in oh, January yes. yeah. and it grows every year. It's very significant. There's a really vibrant art community here growing every day. I've been speaking with Ananda Decking, who is the founder and CEO of Artery, as well as Elizabeth von Habsberg, who is the managing director of Winston Art Group. Guys, thank you so much for your time today. And you. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.